excited to jump into week number two of our series. Let me say 21 days of prayer has been really just incredible every day this week, just the people that are here praying. And if you haven't had a chance to join us, I really want to encourage you to make an effort to join us, even if you can only come one day, and even if you can only come for five minutes of that one day, it would be worth it to have you a part of it. It would make a difference. And uh, let me say for those of you with young children that can't get out of the house that early in the morning, we did load a a page on our website, a 21 Days of Prayer video, and it's about an hour-long video. It's the same videos we use here for prayer, and so you can just join us from your living room in the morning and just click on that video and just let it pray, and ju- or just let it play, and you pray with us, and uh, you can join us from home. And then Saturdays, we do have child care available, and so I want to encourage everybody uh, as much as possible to join us on Saturdays during the 21 days, because it really is uh, a powerful, powerful time. To give you an update on our legacy campaign. As you know, we were in the process of uh, uh, receiving an offering to move our children from their current location in Mexico to a bigger facility. We have over 36 kids living in an 1,800 square foot place and had a miracle this season. We didn't hit our goal, but this church through December gave $97,471 which gives us the ability to take the next steps and begin the process of finding their home. And so here's the plan. That money is going to go into a restricted account. We won't spend one penny of that money until we have a plan in place and present the plan to you on a Sunday. And so the money is restricted until we have the plan in place. And the team right now is working on that plan. And so hopefully in the next few weeks to to the next couple months, we will have a detailed plan of action for moving uh, our orphanage and relocating it, moving to a bigger facility, and we'll let you know what that plan is. I want to invite you to pull out your message notes from your worship guide. We're doing things a little differently today. You'll figure it out towards the end of the service. We'll have a little bit more of worship at the end. I'm really excited. I wish we could just jump to the end right now. Eight o'clock was so powerful this morning, and what happened at the end of the service was so incredible that I wish right now I could just like go right to the end and skip the message, but I got to set it up a little bit first. Uh, Here's a question that I want to pose to you today. What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And I'm sure if I went through the room, we would get over a hundred different answers. We'd all have our own idea of what it means to follow Jesus. Like, what does it really mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? We get, we get many different answers. And the thing about it is, is we live in a generation where we have made following a thing of personal convenience rather than conviction. Like following has become very easy and cheap in our generation, especially in the social media age of like, unlike, click, unclick, follow, unfollow. And we've got all the different social media streams. We've got Instagram, which was created for those of us who grew up in school who never liked the books with words. We just wanted the books with pictures. And so Instagram was created for us. It's just the photos. And then for people who like all the details and lots and lots of details and lots and lots of photos, there's Facebook. And then there's Twitter, which I call man's social media platform because it's 140 characters. It's get to the point, please. I mean, just give me the, the headline. I don't need any details. I just want the headline. And the way it works is you follow people on social media, especially like on Twitter, 
You follow them and you can see everything they post on Twitter. It comes up in what you call the feed. And I don't know if you've ever followed anybody like this, but the other day I was following somebody and for some reason they just went on a rampage on Twitter. It was like like tweet, 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 breathe, tweet, breathe, tweet, breathe. And my entire feed was like just filled up with this one person. And so I just, I, I couldn't take it anymore and click unfollow. And I felt powerful to just be able to unfollow them just like that. And see, the thing is, we really don't understand following in our culture today. Like if you go back to the old Billy Graham crusades, some of you have attended those Billy Graham crusades or, or seen them on television. At the end of every crusade, they would give an invitation for people to follow Jesus. And they'd always sing the same song. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. Though the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. And in those moments of that crusade, people would realize that they need to make a deeper commitment to following Jesus. Following Jesus isn't this this casual uh, click, unclick, like, unlike type of thing, but it was a little bit deeper than all of that. And I did some research on that song. I have decided because I wanted to know, is there a backstory to that song? Like, where, where did that song originate or get the meaning from? And I don't want to make this service too heavy today, but I need to share with you uh, some truths in, in the backstory of that song. It was written about a man from the 19th century in the northeastern part of India, a village called Assam in an area where it was illegal to be Christians. And there were some Welsh missionaries that came to the village and led a family to Christ, led a father, two children, and the wife to Christ. Well, the village chief was outraged because it was illegal to follow Jesus Christ. And so they brought this man and his family in front of the entire village, and they told the man, you have to renounce Jesus or we're going to kill you. And in front of the entire village, the man said, I have decided to follow Jesus. So the village chief ordered that his children be killed right in front of him. And they told him, if you don't renounce Christ, we're going to kill your wife next. And the man looked at the village and he said, no turning back, no turning back. And as they killed his wife and then were in the process of killing him, he said in his final words, the cross before me, the world behind me. And somebody heard the story of this man and wrote the famous hymn that we now sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. That kind of takes the whole following thing to a whole new level, doesn't it? It kind of puts it in perspective of the cost or the commitment and what it really means if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. I mean, I think if we were put in that situation where it was our children or Jesus or our wife or Jesus, we would find out quickly who the real followers of Jesus Christ are. So again, let me ask the question, what does following mean to you? And not really what it means to you or even what it means to me, but what does it mean to Jesus? 
What did Jesus have to say about this subject of following? In Mark chapter 8, we have a story, and the whole story revolves around following Christ, and Jesus is explaining what it means. In verse 27, the Bible says, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. Now, that's an important detail in the story, Caesarea Philippi. If you've ever been to Israel, that's one of the stops on the tour that they take you to, and they take you there to really point out this story. And when you get there, the surprising thing about this area, it's at the northeastern tip of Israel, up kind of in the Golden Heights at the beginning of the Jordan River. And what's interesting is they take you there not to show you what a holy site this is, but to show you what an unholy place it is. Because it's a place where it's the temple of Pan and there was pagan worship and child sacrifice and baby sacrifice and worshiping all of these false gods. And to put it in context, Jesus is saying in this conversation about following him, he he just was saying, listen, in context of everything this world has to offer you, let's talk about what it means to follow me. And it says, as they were walking along, he asked them, who do people say that I am? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Now, let's a little confusing, but you need to understand these people believed in reincarnation during this time. So they thought Jesus was a reincarnated Moses or Elijah or prophet or John the Baptist, which is a little weird because, you know, John had only been dead for a couple of years when this was taking place. Then he asked them, but who do you say? I am. And Peter replied, you are the Messiah. Now that was the right answer, but Peter at this time had no idea what he was saying and even under, he didn't even understand what he was saying. See, in Peter's mind, you have to understand that the Jewish people, the, the, the Israelis were they, they were being oppressed by the Romans, and before that it was the Greeks, and before that it was the Persians, and for years and centuries now, they've been oppressed by outside foreign countries, and they were waiting. The prophecies told of this Messiah that would deliver them and set them free, and they would no longer be under oppression, but they would be their own people, and they would rule themselves. And so Peter is thinking, because all these miracles Jesus is doing, you're the Messiah. You're going you're gonna to lead an army. You're a military leader. You're going to free us, and there's going to be a revolution, and you're going to be the president, and I'll be your chief of staff, and this is going to be great because we're going to be free. So he had no idea what he was saying. And it says in verse 30, Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. Then Jesus began to tell them that the son of man, look at this, the son of man must suffer many terrible things. To which Peter would have been, no, 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 you're not going to suffer, Jesus. You're, you're the leader. You're the Messiah. You're going you're to set us free. And Jesus said, no, I'm going to suffer terrible things. And be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. That would have been all the leaders of the land, all the top politicians and leaders of the land. No, no, they're going to follow you, Jesus. You're the Messiah. No, they're going to reject me. They're going to reject me, and they're going to do terrible things to me. And then Jesus went on to say that he would be killed. But three days later, he would rise from the dead. And as he talked about this openly, and that's, that's really what I want to do today is I just want to have an open conversation with you because sometimes we need to see the tough truths of the Bible. Sometimes we gloss over it, but we really don't talk openly about 
what this is really saying. He talked openly with the disciples. And this is hilarious to me. Peter takes him aside and begins to reprimand him for saying these things. Now, (laughs) I don't know about you, but even if I disagreed with Jesus, I don't think I'm going to pull him aside and reprimand him for what he's saying. That didn't last very long because then Jesus reprimanded Peter. Jesus turned around, looked at the disciples, reprimanded Peter and said, get away from me, Satan, he said. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. And that's the crux of following Jesus. Are you living your life from a human point of view, a selfish point of view? What's in it for me? Or are you living your life? What's in it for God? Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, pause. And I pause the scripture there for a moment because I want you to think about what's Jesus going to put to the right of that comma? Like he's about to spell out clearly, if you want to be my follower, if you want to live your life for me, call yourself a Christian, I'm about to clearly explain to you what that's going to look like, what that's going to mean for you, and what it's going to cost. And I want you to think about that for a moment before I show you. If any one of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. So you can't live for yourself anymore. It's no longer about what you want. It's no longer about what you like. It's no longer about your personal comfort. It's now all about him. Take up your cross and follow me. Take up your cross. See, we hear that phrase, take up the cross, and it it brings us warmth and comfort because the cross is something precious and beautiful, and we've, we've turned it into jewelry, and we wear it around our neck because of what it means to us and what, what, what Jesus went through. But you need to understand something. He hadn't died at this time. When Jesus said, take up your cross, it had an entirely different meaning to the disciples than what we see it as today. See, the cross to them was the most extreme form of human torture known to mankind. And Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, let me tell you what it's going to be like. You're going to have to carry the cross. You're going to have to live this life of dying to yourself. No longer living for yourself, but you're going to have to die to yourself. And some of you physically are going to die for this. And then he goes on and says in verse 35, if you try to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. I mean, newsflash, you're all going to die. So if you try to live for yourself, you're going to die anyways. I mean, doctors die. People who eat organic food die. I mean, everybody's going to die. But he says, if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you're going to save your life. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world and yet you lose your own soul? And all of us have had that thought at a funeral. I mean, we've all sat at a funeral and thought that was quick. That was fast. And in those moments, we think, you know, it's probably better that our eternal decisions are more important than our earthly decisions. Is anything worth more than your soul? If anyone, and this is where it gets really tough right here. Verse 38, if anyone 
is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in the glory of his Father with the Holy Angels. Jesus is clearly defining here what does it mean to be a follower of me. And this is important for us as a church because we're a growing church. And today, sitting in the building, we have people at all different stages of following Jesus. Some people who have just began the journey, some people who are still checking it out, not quite sure. Some people have been on the journey for a little while, some people have been on the journey for most of their life. But we're all at different places in following Jesus. Jesus, and what I want to encourage you to do is to continue to take following seriously. Continue to take it seriously. And if you do, you're going to find out what life is really all about. Because if, as Jesus says, you will lose your life, you're going to find it. And on the surface, it doesn't appear that way. See, on the surface, we think that I got to live it up now. I got to make the most out of this life. I got I to enjoy it. I, I, I got to go out and, and live life. But Jesus is saying, if you live like that, you're actually going to lose your life. But if you'll lose your life for my sake, then you're going to understand what real life is really all about. Look, look, at, look at the story in Luke chapter 9. It's the same story. Luke adds one word that I want to point out that I think is very significant to this whole thing. Then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily. Daily. Look at that key word daily. This is a process. You're not going to get there overnight. This is something you have to do daily. Following Jesus, carrying your cross is a daily process, a daily thing of growth in our life. And so the title of today's message, last week we said, I have decided to get closer to Jesus. Today's title is I have decided to follow Jesus. I've decided I'm going to be a follower of of Jesus. Many of you thought you were followers of Jesus. Well, according to Jesus, you need, you need, to, you need to evaluate your life based on what Jesus said, not, not on the way you feel. See, in America, it's so easy to claim the name Christian. It's almost like our nationality. Like It doesn't really mean we're following Jesus. It just means I'm an American. I'm a Christian. And you have to decide, according to Jesus, are you a follower of Jesus Christ. And I want to help explain to you today what that actually looks like. And wherever you find yourself on this kind of journey or the chart I'm about to show you, just decide that you're going to take the next steps. Like you don't need to go from step one to step five overnight, but just decide if you're at step one or step two or step three, just go to the very next step. And if you'll make serving God a serious part of your life, anyone who loses his life for his sake is going to find it. But if you try to save it, you're going to lose it anyways, because we're all going to die. So here's the chart. This is something I stole from Pastor Rick Warren up at Saddleback. He's brilliant at kind of breaking it down and making it simple. So let me show this to you. The first level of following Jesus is what we call the crowd, the crowd level. That's the people that the crowd, the people that are just around him. And, And here at our church, we develop crowd events for people. Every Sunday, we have crowd events where we've got coffee, and we've got donuts, and we've got childcare, and it's just this environment where, as Jesus would put it, you can come and see. Just come and see. Come and check it out. Come and see what's going on. And this is Jesus' first message to the disciples. His first sermon to the disciples is, come and see. Come and check it out. Come and see if I'm the real deal or not. He can prove himself to you better than any of us can. 
And so we invite you to just come and see, come and check it out and take as long as you need to check it out. And then there comes the next level of following Jesus, and it's what we call the congregation, the congregation. And this is come and join us. Like, come and be a part of it. Like, like, like don't just check it out forever, but why don't you come and be a part of the family? And, and let, me, let me just give a quick disclaimer. I want to personally invite anyone here today that, that is still on that come and see stage, take as much time as you need. Like, we're in no rush at all. Take as much time as you, check it out as long as you need to check it out. Honestly, if I was looking at a church, it it would take me a few weeks, if not a couple months, to to figure it all out. And and I've always wanted to have a church where you can come and you don't have to serve and you don't have to give anything and and there's no pressure at all on you. You can come and check it out where, where we can have a place where people who are following Jesus can gather and people who aren't quite sure and they're not quite there yet and they're still checking it out can feel welcome and feel comfortable being a part of it all. So I want you to know from me, take as much time as you need. Don't give anything. Don't serve. Just enjoy yourself and feel welcome. But let me make it clear, there is an invitation to the next level. There is an invitation to come and join us, to be part of the family, to to get in a small group, which is really where family happens here. And we've got a whole semester of small groups about to begin in just a couple weeks where where you can belong. And let me say, even more than joining the church and even more than even joining a small group, join Jesus. Like, get connected to Jesus, because you'll find out he's the real deal. And here's the the third level that we go to, and this is the committed. This is the committed. This is the, the come and grow. These are people who realize salvation isn't the end of the line. Salvation is just the beginning of the line. Like we have so much further to go in our journey. Like, like I want more. There's got to be more. And so this small group semester, you may choose a small group that's all about making your marriage better, like a marriage small group. Or maybe, maybe it's a men's accountability group. You need accountability as a man. Or maybe it's a get out of debt, one of the, the finance small groups. And it's just something where you're going you're gonna to come and grow. Because it's time that you begin to grow. It's time that you just not just hang out anymore, but you begin to grow. Maybe it's time you take the one-year Bible seriously and you really begin to read every day and just just let God's Word speak to you and and minister to you and teach you. Maybe it's time to get serious about prayer and join us for 21 days of prayer. Even if you don't know how to pray, just come sit and watch other people pray. You'll you'll pick it up. You'll figure it out. Maybe it's the Discover course. See, this is what you need to understand about the Discover course. The Discover course, it was entirely created for this level to help you discover how to grow, to help you discover what are the next steps in this journey that I'm on. And then we move to the next level of following Christ, and we call this level the core. The core. This is come and serve. Come and serve. Come and contribute. Be a part of making a difference. It's not just about growing. I'm not just going to sit in a Bible study or a small group the rest of my life, but I want to make a difference. Like I want to use my gifts and my talents to make this entire thing happen, to, to see people rescued and changed and saved. And I'll just tell you, you have no idea what it's like to worship one, serve one until you've done it. And if you ask anybody here on our dream team who worships one, serves one, they'll tell you the service they serve at is actually more meaningful than the one they worship at. 
because they're part of making a difference. They're part of contributing. You talk to our team that goes down to the orphanage in Mexico. When they drive home Saturday afternoon, that's the most meaningful drive of their life. I mean, you've never had a drive like that. You, that's not, it's not the way you drive home from work or from dinner or from the movie theater. You drive home from making a difference. It's the most meaningful drive of your life. It's come and serve. And if you look at this chart with me, this really is the, the, the vision of our church. I mean, the crowd, that's, that's our Sunday services. The congregation, that's small groups, getting involved, uh, committed. That's part of the Discover course, really learning the next steps. And then the core, all about finding your place on the dream team. But Jesus took this to an ultimate level. He took this to the highest level he wants all of us to get to, and it's the level of the commissioned. The commissioned. See, these are people who have made a decision. I'm giving God the rest of of my life, every second of every day, it's all his. And I'm not talking about going into full-time ministry or going into the priesthood. I'm talking about living passionately for Jesus every day of your life, realizing that I am a light on a hill. Everything I do, I'm going to look for an opportunity to share Jesus with people. I'm not going to live in my neighborhood accidentally, but I'm going to look for opportunities to share Jesus with my neighbors and the people that I work with. And Anywhere I go, whether I'm golfing or, or whether I'm at a sporting event, I'm always looking for opportunities to be a light on a hill and share Jesus. Everything I do is about him. And this is the level of the commission is come and die. Come and die. Come and die. Just lay your life down for Jesus. Because <clears throat> anybody who gives up their life for his sake will find their life. And so let me just say, take a moment and just be honest and identify where are you at in this list? Like what level are you on right now in this list? The crowd, congregation, committed core, commission. Wherever you're at, make a decision to take the next step. Just make a decision to go to the next level. And here's my promise. You're a spiritual being. Anytime you take spiritual steps, you're going to get the greatest return in life. And so here's the challenge today that, that really comes directly from Jesus. I want you to go from no commitment to total commitment. Like go from no commitment to total commitment in your life. Go from a consumer to a contributor. Like, I'm not just going to sit and consume and enjoy anymore. I'm actually going to contribute. I'm going to be a part of making it happen every single week. And then lastly, the challenge from Jesus is go from a Savior. What's in it for me? What can I get out of this whole thing? I want a Savior to going to a Lord. What's in it for him? It's all about him. It has nothing to do with me. It's all Jesus. Go from a Savior to a Lord. And this entire series is simply about us taking this journey together, taking this journey together. And my job as your pastor is just to make the path clear, to just lay out the steps and make it easy and understandable for you. It's kind of that the pastors in the Bible, they were called shepherds. That was the pastor in the Bible, a shepherd. And the shepherd would just lead the sheep and say, hey, hey, sheep, come over here, taste this field. You're going to love the way this field tastes. Now, now, come over here and taste this. You're going to love this. This, this, this is the, the best field you've ever been in. And that's kind of my job is just to lead you to these different places. 
And so today what I want to do is I want to focus on the people who are at the first two levels. The people who are in the crowd still kind of checking it all out and the people who've, who, who've decided to, to join but they haven't gone beyond that yet. I want to focus on that. And here's the reason why. Last year in 2014... In our church services every weekend, we had, and and, and this is all to the glory of God because it exceeded all of our expectations and anything that we had hoped for. Last year, we had 483 people raise their hands and make decisions to follow Jesus Christ. And let's give God some glory for that. And so I want to talk to those people that are part of our church today. You've, you, you've come in, you're, you're part of the crowd, you're part of the congregation. Let's talk about what's the first step. What's the first step that God wants from you in this journey? Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. Those who raised their hand and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, the very first thing that happened in their life is they were baptized. Like they raised their hand, made a decision for Jesus. The next thing they know, they're getting wet. I mean, that's how it works. And that's how it happened in the Bible. All throughout Scripture, they were urged to do this first. And see, what we've done with water baptism today is we've made it a thing of convenience. Like, 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 I'll do it next month when my family's in town. It's just more convenient for me then. But all throughout the Bible, it was always spontaneous. It had nothing to do with convenience. It was never about your family. It was always about Jesus. And so throughout Scripture, it was spontaneous. And one of the things we see in our culture is, is we have a lot of people who've been baptized pre-decision. Like they were baptized as babies or christened as children. And I don't want to take anything away from those meaningful events. But honestly, those were more dedicatory. In the Bible, they were baptized post-decision. Like they made a decision to serve Jesus Christ. They made the decision to serve him. And the next thing they know, they were getting wet. That's how it worked. It was very, very spontaneous. So what we do at our church is we dedicate babies and we baptize believers. So today at the end of the service, we're going to have a spontaneous baptism. And and what I'm saying is people who came here today dry are going to leave here wet. Like like they came not expecting to get wet and they're going to leave wet. And at our 8 a.m. service today, which which is not our largest service at all, we had nine people who had no idea they were going to get baptized today get baptized at the end of the 8 a.m. service. And so let me give you three reasons why we're going to do a spontaneous baptism at the end of the service. Number one, to follow the example set by Christ. We're going to do it to follow the example set by Christ. See, Jesus sanctified baptism, and he didn't even need to. What do I mean? Baptism is symbolic of your sins being washed away, like the old being gone and the new coming. Jesus was was without sin. He didn't even need to be baptized, yet he himself was baptized to set an example for us, sanctifying it in the process. It's like a wedding band. See, the wedding band doesn't make you married. It's just a public expression of a commitment that you made, a covenant that you made. It doesn't mean you're married. It's just the public sign. For some reason, you know, a couple hundred years ago, somebody thought putting metal on your finger would be a great sign to let everyone know you're married. 
And so for the last couple hundred years, we've been putting metal on our finger to let people know we're married. That's what water baptism is. It's just that public sign of what Jesus has done. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. And I want to challenge you, make this your life verse. Paul says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I mean, make that your life verse. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. If Jesus was baptized and he didn't even have to be baptized, then I'm going to follow his example. Here's another tough verse for you. Now, listen, I didn't write this. This, this is from God, but I need to share this with you. First John chapter 2, verse 4. Someone may say, I am a Christian. I am on my way to heaven. I belong to Christ. But if he doesn't do what Christ tells him to, he is a liar. This is how serious he takes us. This is serious business to God. It's as if Jesus is saying, look, I carried a cross. I'm just asking you to get wet. Here's the second reason we're doing a baptism today, to demonstrate my changed life. We want to demonstrate our changed life. You see, when they got baptized during Jesus' day, it was in the Jordan River. We actually went to the spot Jesus was baptized uh, in Israel when we were on our trip. And it was the muddiest, filthiest, ugliest looking place you've ever seen. In the middle of the desert, the water was so muddy, you could not see through it. I mean, it, it was disgusting. And the way they would get baptized back then is they would wear two changes of clothes under the water. They would have a white, clean kind of undergarment. And then they would have this outer garment that was like a filthy, dirty rag. And when they would baptize, it wasn't like we're going to dunk you over real quick. I mean, they went under the water and they stayed down until they could take this dirty rag off. And then when they would come up out of the water, it was this beautiful white kind of, kind of linen cloth that they were wearing while their dirty rags would float down the river. And that's what it was symbolic of. This, this old life is gone. Look at the way Peter says it, 1 Peter 3.21. In, baptiz- in baptism, we show that we have been saved from death and doom by the resurrection of Christ. See, this is how we show that we've been saved. This is how we show that we've been freed from our sins, not because our bodies are washed clean by the water, but because in being baptized, we are turning to God and asking him to cleanse our hearts from sin. That's what it's all about. And here's the third reason we're going to do a baptism today, to declare my commitment publicly. I'm going to declare my commitment publicly. This is a big deal to God. This is a really big deal to God. There is nothing at all to be ashamed of in following Jesus Christ. And so let me say it like this. If you're ashamed of following Jesus, like if you've bought into this philosophy of my faith is a private thing, then maybe following isn't for you. Maybe it's just not for you. Because the same degree that Jesus went through it for us is the same degree he's asking us to live our life for him. He wants us to do it for him. Faith is not private. We are to be a light on a hill. We are to be very vocal and expressive about what Jesus Christ has done in our life. And so many of us have turned faith into a private thing. It's it's like if every day when I left my house to go to work, there's a place in the garage I just kind of hang my wedding ring up on. 
And every day I leave, I just leave my wedding ring in the garage, and then I go out for the day, and then when I come back home, I put my wedding ring back on for my wife. Eventually, my wife is going to want to know, why do you keep taking your ring off every time you leave the house? I mean, are you ashamed of being married? Do you not want anybody to know that you're married? Why do you keep leaving your ring? See, the thing is, I don't wear this ring for my wife's sake. It's not for her. I wear it for all of you, for everyone else in the world to know that I'm not available. I'm taken. So I belong to somebody. I have decided to belong to someone, and that's what it's all about. And I think so many of us live this, my faith is a private thing. And Jesus is like, don't be ashamed of me. And here's another tough verse in closing. Whoever acknowledges me before men. See, that's what water baptism is. Water baptism is acknowledging Christ. It's saying, listen, I'm not going to keep the decision I made on my heart private. I made a decision in my heart to follow Jesus, and I'm going to make it public. I'm going to make sure everyone knows about it. I'm not going to hide this thing. Whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven. So what do I do today? What's the next steps? Be water baptized. If you have never been water baptized since you made a real decision to follow Jesus, I'm not talking about, you know, I was baptized as a teenager, I was baptized, you know, you know, 10 years ago, and then I kind of lived for myself, and I've recently really decided to live for Jesus. If you've not made a decision since really deciding, you making a very real decision to follow Jesus Christ, you need to be baptized. You need to be baptized today. And I want to show you a quick video before we get into it. So watch this with me. Mommy, how about I learned how to swim? When can I get water baptized? Then he said she was ready. Can you tell me why you had such a bad attitude? And what did you say to me? Um, if he's, if he doesn't know the answers to these questions, why should he be pastor? <laughs>
here's the deal. In a moment, we're going to have a water baptism. I'm going to invite many of you who had no idea you're going to be baptized today to join me. And I know you're sitting there right now saying, "Uh, no, it's not going to happen today. Uh, I, I can't be baptized today. You don't understand. Guess what? We've thought through all of your excuses. And we've dealt with all of your excuses. And so what's going to happen right after service, or it's not after service, but during service, in just a couple uh, uh, minutes from now, you're going to exit these doors. We have a baptism kit that we have created for you. Inside, you'll have this beautiful black T-shirt to be baptized in, which you will get to keep. A new T-shirt you can keep. Inside the kit, we have shorts right there. Some of you are thinking, I don't have a change of clothes. You now have a T-shirt and shorts to be water baptized in. No excuse at all. And I'm telling you, all nine people who got baptized this morning had no idea, and they said it was the shorts. The shorts got us. We realized that we got no more excuses. We've got new towels for you, so you're going get to get a fresh towel when you're done. We've got blow dryers for your hair, and I know some of you are thinking, well, what about my phone? I can't live without my phone. We have armed security in the back room who is going to personally guard your phone for the couple minutes you are away from your phone. And as soon as you get out of the water, they are going to give you all of your stuff back uh, right there. And it's going to be all taken care of. We've got changing rooms, hair dryers, shorts, t-shirts, plastic bags to take your wet clothes home in, uh, security to watch all of your stuff. There's no excuses at all. No excuses at all. You say, well, what about my family? My family's not here. We've got a photographer who's going to give you a photo today of the entire event that you can share with your family. And again, it's not about your family. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. You say, well, it's not convenient. It wasn't convenient for him when he went to the cross. So what I want to do in just a second, I'm going to count to three. When I get to the number three, everyone stand with me real quick. When I get to the number three, if you need to be water baptized, you have not been water baptized since making a real decision to follow Jesus. When I say number three, I want you to exit these doors right here. You'll see our dream team outside. They'll direct you to the check-in table. You will get a baptism kit. They will walk you around the side. You will come in. While everyone else is worshiping and singing, we're going to do worship at the end of service today. We're going to have a a live water baptism right in the building. They're going to put it on the screens. You're going to be able to celebrate and join in with all the people being baptized. So right now, if you need to be water baptized, again, we had nine people already today do it who had no idea they were going to do it. Right now, if you need to be water baptized, one, two, three. Go right now to the doors. Let's give them a hand right now. Go right now to the doors. Right now, make your way. Those of you in the cafe, those of you in the cafe, go right now in the cafe. Come right now, right from the cafe. 